Proverbs chapter 10. In this chapter, if you were just to read through this chapter, you're going to see two different characterizations going back and forth, different characteristics, different actions of the righteous on one hand and the wicked on the other hand. Now, I, I can't read this, this chapter without having Crush in my mind. Any of you know who Crush is, the, the turtle? Righteous dude and wicked. And I, for some reason, I just can't get Crush out of my head saying both of these different things. But, but there's a contrast here that is put together in Proverbs chapter 10, which is why I think we have to treat the chapter as a whole. It's why I think we have to go back and forth through it, look at it, read a large section of Scripture. So usually... I ask you to stand when we read the text of Scripture. It's such a long passage today, and I'm going to do some other stuff with it, so I'm not going to ask you to stand. But to put your mind in the right frame as we read through Proverbs chapter 10, think about character. What is character? Well, perhaps one definition of character is the feature or traits that form the individual nature of some person or thing. Your character. Who are you? At your core, who are you? If somebody had to describe you and your character, what would they talk about? How would they describe you? Who are you? Who do you know yourself to be? And when we think about our character, a word that pops into our mind often flows from that. It's the word characteristic or characteristics plural. It's one feature or trait of a person or thing. Individual characteristics then come together to form the moral or ethical character of a person or thing. So you can have one characteristic that gives me a glimpse of part of who you are, and all of those characteristics come together to form what we call character. So if I were to ask you, how many of you take your coffee black? Raise your hand. Okay, how many of you are wimpy and put stuff in it and doctor it up? I'm just, I'm just kidding. You're not wimpy, but you... you how many of you are introverts? How many of you are extroverts? And how much louder are the extroverts than the introverts? How many of you would say, would say about yourself, I'm internally motivated? Yeah, probably most of you. You're here. How many of you are externally motivated? Mom or dad made you be here. I mean, you know, you never know how this works out. All of these things, you could go through different lists of characterizations. In fact, when you interview somebody, you ask these questions. You ask a host of different questions to try to determine what's somebody like? What's their character? Are they going to be a person of integrity or honesty? Or are they just trying to get by? All of these things come into play and we see what takes place there. There are some quotes on character. A couple of them that I want to give you. J.C. Watts Jr. said this, character is doing what's right when nobody's looking. Now, that's good character that he's talking about. He's using that term character to say a noble character or a noble person does what's right when nobody's looking. But we recognize not everybody does that. So we might say they don't have character or they might have bad character. Look at Calvin Coolidge here. We do not need more knowledge, we need more character. Again, he's referring to the character in the good sense of the word of who we are. And D.L. Moody says this, if I take care of my character, my reputation will take care of itself. And you think about those words, character, who, I, who am I? The characteristics make that up. And then what other people think of me, that's my reputation. So if I worry about doing the right things 
and the characteristics are the right characteristics, then my reputation or what others think about me will take care of itself. You think about the word character. How many of you are actors or actresses? You're in our theater program or you just like to participate in theater. How many of you are thespians of that nature? You enjoy that. And so you understand to get into character is to do what? You study a person. You realize what are, the, what are the things that make this person what the writer intended this person to be. And so I have to be in character or you can be out of character. We even talk about out of character sometimes when somebody does something that's not normal for them. And we say that was out of character for that person. It could be somebody who's really shy and reserved who all of a sudden has some outburst or something of that nature. And you go, man, that was really out of character. I haven't seen you do that before. That's not normal for who you are. We understand what character is. When you write, how many of you are writers in the room? They're not very vocal. They like to write. <laughs> but that's okay because when we write, especially when you write fiction, you have to do character development. If you don't have good characters, you're going to have really boring stories and nobody's going to read them and you're not going to be a writer for very long. And so you'll have to choose something else to do. You watch TV. You watch movies. And most of us like to see TV or movies with full character development. Give us glimpses into their past about what makes them the person that we see or the person that we are interacting with. And this is part of what Proverbs chapter 10 is getting at. Are you gonna have the character or the characteristics of a wicked person or a righteous person? Who are you? Well, we understand today that if we're not saved, we really have no choice but to be wicked. You can try to be moral all you want to, but even in your good deeds, you're gonna have bad motives for it. But in this room, as those who have repented and placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and we read our Bibles and we have the Holy Spirit living within us, even though we still struggle with that old sinful nature that the New Testament refers to as the flesh, even though that flesh tempts us and pulls us, even though our hearts are prone to wonder, we have the Holy Spirit living within us. So by the Holy Spirit, we can put to death those deeds of the flesh so we can choose to be who we are as new creations in Christ or we can slip into sinful habits and patterns that would be bad or out of character for a Christian. So here's my appeal to you today. You have choices. All of you have choices that you're gonna make in life. Little choices, big choices, trajectory setting decisions, decisions that may seem small at the moment, but are huge in implications for your lifetime. And I wanna encourage you to choose to be who you are in character as a new creation in Jesus Christ and choose to be like the righteous, not like the wicked. Proverbs chapter 10. I've highlighted for you the differences. Blue, good words. Red, bad words. Bad characteristics. Things that we don't want to be. Look at what it says here as we start off. The Proverbs of Solomon. A wise son makes a glad father. A foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. Now when we look at this, you see here the glad father and you see the sorrow to the mother. Now it doesn't mean that the father is not sad if something bad happens. It's just indicating to us that your actions usually affect your entire family. 
Most of you come from a family unit that when you do good things, your family's very happy about it. And when you do bad things, it makes them sad because they care about you. And so you think in your mind, when you're doing something wrong, I'm the only one that's gonna suffer from this. But that's a lie of the devil because you're not the only one that suffers from things that you do that are wrong. Your entire family is brought into that. Your friends are brought into that. All of those around your sphere of influence are brought into the negative things that you do. And when a wise son makes a good choice, it makes the father happy in his heart, in his soul, in his spirit. It makes a mother happy in her heart, soul, and spirit. You see the face beam. When foolish decisions are made, it's sorrow to the mother and to the father. Treasures gained by wickedness do not profit. Our world thinks if I can just gather all this stuff to me, I'll be okay. But here the Bible tells us that is not profit. And in the eternal perspective, it surely is not. But the righteous righteousness delivers from death. The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but he thwarts the craving of the wicked. Think about that word cravings there. The wicked who always want just a little bit more. Give me just a little bit more. I'm never satisfied with what I have. I want more. I need more. I need this. I need something else. And they're never satisfied. They're never at peace. They're never happy. But those who find their satisfaction in Christ and in Christ alone can be happy though they're a missionary on a mission field and they have very little in terms of possession. And the world looks at them and says, what do they have? Are they crazy? What are they doing? But they live not for this world. They live for the next. Satisfaction can be found in Christ that possessions or wealth or riches or fame can never bring you. Those are the lies of the devil that tell you to seek all of these things of the world. But satisfaction truly comes from being satisfied in Christ. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. We'll come back to this one. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. You notice there, the son who brings shame. What does that hearken us back to in our mind? But those decisions that either make a father glad or that make a mother sad. Blessings are on the head of the righteous, but by the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. The memory of the righteous is a blessing, but the name of the wicked will rot. Now think about that one, the legacy that you leave, the things that people think about you afterwards, as you think about your name and what it will indicate to others, as you think about your character, as you think about legacy, you think about those evil men of the past and you could name those evil men. We could think about people that when we say their name, it puts a very uh, vile taste in our mouth because they're evil, wicked people. And then we think about those who have been of great influence because they have been righteous and what we think about them. The wise of heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. Notice what the text is doing here. It's repeating similar phrases. And a lot of these different phrases that it has, you have the contrast. And that's what we see in verse eight. You have the contrast of the wise in heart will receive commands. Those commandments being things like what your teachers are teaching you in class, what your parents have taught you throughout your entire life, the commandments of God in scripture. Those who are wise receive commandments. It means you're teachable. You have a humility in your spirit and in your essence that you understand you don't know it all, that you understand you need knowledge from others, that you're never too smart to learn from other people. So as you encounter other people, you, you take interest in them, you learn from them, you take knowledge in, you sit, you listen, you take notes, you're wise, you understand. I need more of this. I wanna store up this knowledge because there may be a moment in my life where I need it. And yet the babbling fool will come to ruin. 
the babbling fool, the one that just keeps talking and talking and talking and never stops talking and you can't get a word in edgewise. How many of you like to have a conversation with a person like that? Nobody does because extroverts wanna talk too and introverts don't wanna talk that much to anybody. And so nobody likes to have a conversation with the babbling fool. I guess maybe unless you're a counselor and then you can just sit on the couch and say, how does that make you feel? I don't know. All right, (laughs) just kidding. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever makes his way crooked will be found out. Oh, look at that, will be found out. When you do things that are wrong, when you're hiding stuff, when you're not walking in integrity, you're always looking over your shoulder. You're always worried, are they gonna find out about this? Are they gonna find out about that? One thing that you do causes another lie to be told and then another lie to be told. And then it's a tangled web that we weave and inside this anxiety begins to creep up because we know we're hiding things. There are skeletons in the closet that you don't wanna come out. You wanna keep that closet door closed and all through your life, you're worried. Is somebody gonna open that door? Is something gonna happen? And that's no way to live life. The lies of the devil that got you to do the evil things in the first place cause you anxiety and scar you for life since that point. And so here we need to take comfort in the grace of the gospel and in the grace of Jesus Christ that you can be forgiven of all of those evil things in the past and you can walk forward in integrity. And as you walk forward in integrity, you walk securely. You have nothing to worry about. What can they do to you in this life but kill you? And to kill you does what? Sends you to meet your maker. So you see Jesus face to face. Whoever winks the eye causes trouble, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. We'll come back to that one. But the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. The mouth of the wicked conceals violence. You see the contrast there. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. On the lips of him who has understanding, wisdom is found. But a rod is for the back of him who lacks sense. You see what the text is doing there? The wise has understanding. The understanding goes forth from the mouth and there's wisdom. On those who are foolish, the only thing that gets them to act in a certain way is punishment or the threat of punishment. And so it's like an animal. Any animal, when you threaten to punish them, you can get them to do the things that you want them to do. And so here with the fool, the only thing that that pushes them in the right direction is the rod. The wise lay up knowledge, but the mouth of a fool brings ruin near. And I encourage you to take heart to verse 14. The wise lay up knowledge. So as we talk about in various chapel sermons, in various classes, in various discipleship things, things that are to come in your future, As you talk about things like how to handle finances when paychecks are coming in, on how to be a godly parent if the Lord blesses you with marriage and children, on how to be a godly husband or a godly wife, take heart and take those things and store them up, write them down, put them in your head, think through them now before you get into that situation because once you're in that situation, things happen fast. You don't have time to form your values at that point in time. Form them now. Understand this is who I wanna be. This is where I'm going. Lay up that knowledge. But the mouth of a fool brings ruin near. You notice that that verse reflects back to previous verses, which talks about the babbling fool brings ruin. Here it brings ruin near. A rich man's wealth is a strong city. The poverty of the poor is their ruin. The wage of the righteous leads to life. The gain of the wicked to sin. Do you want to live a righteous life? A righteous life, 
leads to more life, sin, temptation, brings death. The wicked, their gain is sin. Whoever heeds instruction is on the path of life, but he who rejects reproof leads others astray. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever utters slander is a fool. When many words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. We'll come back to some of these. But, but that last one, as somewhat of an introvert, I just kind of like to say amen there, right? I mean, that's whoever restrains his lips is prudent. It doesn't mean that introverts are more godly than extroverts. It just means that there are times in all of our lives where the best thing we can do is say nothing, tweet nothing, post nothing on Facebook, and post nothing on Instagram. There are times in life where the best thing we can do is keep our thoughts to ourselves because they're not godly ones. And the person who has no filter, the way we used to refer to it is the person who has no clutch between their mind and their mouth, oftentimes spouts out the first things they think. And sometimes people take pride in this. I say whatever I think. I don't care what anybody says. I'm just gonna say it. I'm gonna be me. And other people listening to you and that arrogance are saying how foolish. Don't say whatever you think because we don't always think good thoughts. We don't always think godly thoughts. Put that clutch in. Have that thought, engage that clutch, ask yourself the question, is this a good, encouraging, godly thought or is this gonna tear somebody down? And if it's gonna tear somebody down, don't ever engage. Just let that thought go somewhere else. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is of little worth. Notice what the writer's doing here. You have tongue, you have lips. It's connecting together. The tongue of the righteous, the lips of the righteous. He's giving you some synonyms there in verses 20 and 21. It's choice silver. It feeds many. But the heart of the wicked there is of little worth. Fools die for lack of sense. The blessing of the Lord makes rich and he has no sorrow to it. If the Lord makes you rich, there's no sorrow that comes with it. There's no worrying about the skeletons in the closet. There's no worrying about that being your idol. The Lord makes you rich. There's no sorrow with that. And there's nothing wrong with being rich. Money is a tool that you can use for good or for evil. Doing wrong is like a joke to a fool, but wisdom is pleasure to a man of understanding. If we have time, we'll come back to that one as well. What the wicked dreads will come upon him, but the desires of the righteous will be granted. What the wicked dreads will come upon him. What do the wicked dread? Being found out. Somebody's gonna find out who I really am. Somebody's gonna find out what I really did. Somebody's gonna find out how I did what I did. And at the end of time, God's word tells us that all things will be made known. The wicked dreads will come upon him, but the desires of the righteous will be granted. When the tempest passes, the wicked is no more. Notice what it's doing here. The wicked is no more. And then it tells us later on the wicked will be short. So it says here, the righteous is established forever. There's a contrast. Like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the sluggard to those who send him. We'll come back to that. The fear of the Lord, and this harkens back to Proverbs 1-7, the fear of the Lord, the beginning of wisdom, the fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be cut short. The hope of the righteous brings joy, but the expectation of the wicked will perish, will be cut short, 
will end in death, will perish. You see it again here. And then in verse 30, will not dwell in the land. The promises to the children of Israel, to, the, to those who would be in the land. And here it says, you will not dwell in the land. So over and over, the wicked, they're going to perish. The wicked, they're going to be cut short. The wicked, they're not going to dwell in the land. And you see what's going to happen as a consequence to the wicked here. But the hope of the righteous brings joy. The way of the Lord is a stronghold to the blameless. The righteous will never be removed. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom. But the perverse tongue will be cut off. Here you see it again. You're going to perish. You're not going to dwell in the land. You will be short. You will be cut off if you have that wicked, perverse tongue. The lips of the righteous, and again we see the lips and the mouth being used here. Know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked is perverse. So we take these and we look at them and we see these characteristics and we ask ourselves the question as we look at these characteristics, who are we? What's our character? And if we're honest this morning, every last one of us has messed up. If you're in this room and you have made a mistake in your life that you regret, I want you to raise your hand. So look around the room, keep your hands up, look around the room. And I want to welcome all of you to the same team that has made mistakes. You can put your hands down. I will note that even the six-year-old raised his hand that he's done things he's not proud of, right? All of us have. Now, if, well, let, let's find out. If you've never done anything that you regret in your life, please stand up right now so we can identify you. Anybody? Nobody. So we've all made mistakes. If you had stood up, by the way, that would have been a mistake. But anyway, <laughs> he, he, we've all made mistakes. So if you're sitting in this room and you say, wait a second, I identified with that and it's on the wrong side, it's on the wicked side. Yeah, there have been times in my life where out of character, I have acted in ways I shouldn't have. And when we do that, we repent, we come back to the cross, we come back to the grace of the gospel. So I'm not here to beat you over the head this morning with your past mistakes. I'm here to tell you this morning that there is grace at the cross and there is grace found in Christ and to tell you that the way forward is the way of wisdom. It's not the way of folly. And so every day when we get up, we pursue that way of wisdom. We pursue the way of grace. And when we mess up and when we stumble and when we fall down, we get back up, we ask for forgiveness, we march on and we continue one day after the next day to put that foot forward because it's not about falling down and that being the end of it. It's about getting getting back up and continuing on in the same trajectory. It's about setting our eyes fully at Christ at the top of the mountain. And even though we may stumble as we go up the rocks, and even though rocks may seem to give way underneath our feet, we don't stop. We keep going. We keep pursuing. And that's my hope. And that's my dream for all of the Cedarville family is that we will keep marching toward the prize, which is Christ Jesus. Find our satisfaction in him. Not give up. Not look back. Not turn to the road of folly, but to pursue that way of wisdom. Let's look at the characteristics here. What does it say about the righteous? The righteous is a glad father. The righteous doesn't go hungry. Their memory is a blessing. They're secure. They cover offenses by love. They have wisdom. They lay up knowledge. They are on the path of life. They are prudent. Their words feed many. Wisdom is their pleasure. They take joy and pleasure in having wisdom and what they're learning about God, about his word. Their desires will be granted. Their hope brings joy. It can never be removed and they know what is acceptable. 
Is that what you want to be? Are those the characteristics you want? Are these the things you want to do? It's an easy choice when you look at these characteristics and then you look at the description of the wicked. Look at the description of the wicked. It brings sorrow to their family. They suffer the futility even of their gains. They realize their gains don't even satisfy them. Their wicked cravings are not going to be fulfilled. They're always wanting more. Give me more. Give me some satisfaction, some relief. Poverty due to slackness, shame. They conceal violence. Their name will rot. It will come to ruin. They will be found out. They cause trouble. They stir up strife. They lack sense. They bring ruin near. They lead others astray. They're liars. They're slanderers. Their words result in transgressions. Their heart is worth little. They die for lack of sense. Evil is a joke to them. Dread will come upon them. They are like vinegar and taste and smoke to the eyes. Their life will be cut short. Their expectations will perish. And they know what is perverse. Now, if I were to put up in front of you and say, which one do you want to be? At the end of your life, which one do you want to be? Which one do you want people to think you are? It's easy. We want to be the righteous. We don't want to be the wicked. But in that moment, in that fleeting moment of temptation, where temptation comes and our flesh draws and our hearts desires immediate gratification rather than long-term satisfaction, these temptations come. So be wise and have the way of wisdom ever set before us that when the temptation comes, that we cry out to our Abba Father, that we plead to the power of the Holy Spirit, that we remember the promises that are in Scripture, and we don't believe the lie of the devil, but we trust that God is faithful and that we can trust Him, and we pursue righteousness and we don't pursue wickedness. We pursue the way of wisdom and not the way of folly. That's my prayer for you. Now let's drill deeper into just a couple of these verses. Diligence versus laziness pops up in chapter 10. Diligence versus laziness. Proverbs chapter 10, verse four and five says, a slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who, who brings shame. That slack hand in verse four, that slack hand is the negligent, it's the deceitful, it's the slothful, some of your translations say. It's used three times in the book of Proverbs and it's to describe that person who half-heartedly does his job. This is the poor work ethic. This is someone who doesn't care about the quality of work. And as teachers or professors, as parents, as mentors, as those who care about you, I would say to you, care about the quality of your work. And sometimes people will say to you, even on smaller assignments that you don't think is important, this is not quality. This is not good. You didn't take care with this. Did you proofread this? Did you, did you check your grammar when you wrote this? Did you, did you take care and check your math as you did this? Did you do this diligently? And one of the reasons those little things matter is those little characteristics add up to form our character, our trajectory of who we are. And so here, we don't want to be the ones who do work halfway. When you get into that job and you're engineering something or when you're working to teach others you don't do your job halfway you do it with diligence you do it completely that slack hand causes poverty but the other hand the diligent one and that literally means sharp or pointed the sharp keen hand of a skillful efficient useful worker this is not a workaholic this is not somebody who all they do is work. This is somebody who just does what they, they do and they do it with detailed aspects. They're diligent in what they do. They are a good steward. And this verse says that it makes rich. Now take note that verse four 
It's not a promise for you to claim, but it is the principle for you to live by. And God can operate outside of this as well. And so it doesn't mean that every single person who's diligent is going to be rich in earthly possessions. Don't read prosperity theology into this verse. Verse five, it says, he who gathers in summer is a prudent son. Now it says gathers in summer here. We see that. There is a season for which you, you gather. There's a time that you're together. We, we think about this. And even sometimes I look out at the crops and I see the corn and not being from the Midwest, when we first got here, I would look out and I would see the corn and I would see the corn begin to start dying, right? It turns brown. And, and when it turns brown, I thought that that's it, it's dying. Why aren't they harvesting this stuff? It's gonna all be dead. And those of you who have been around here know it turns brown and it turns more brown and it turns more brown and finally they harvest it. Well, what if they just decided, and eh, I'm just tired, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sleep in. I'm not, I'm not gonna harvest the crop. What would you say about that farmer? He's not gonna be a farmer very long, right? There are seasons. And this says that it's a prudent son who gathers in the summer, who gathers in the season. I would say to you an application for us here at Cedarville is you have four years at Cedarville, maybe five or six, but hopefully four years at Cedarville, unless you're in the pharmacy program. And if you're four years at Cedarville, you have an opportunity to gather, to sink in, to store up knowledge. Take advantage of the greenhouse. Don't waste it. Take advantage of the opportunity to have good mentors, to learn from your faculty members, to gather up all the knowledge you can, because that's being the prudent son, the prudent daughter. But he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. You remember back to verse one and two about those who bring shame to the mother. Prudent here means thinking through and arriving at the most successful course of action. But the one who sleeps in harvest brings shame. Now, I don't mean to tell you through this verse that you shouldn't sleep. Balance in life is important. You need your sleep. You need your sleep in order to think well, in order to, to work well, in order to function well. And so I would encourage you to get the right amount of sleep. But what this verse is talking about is somebody who's lazy, somebody who is a sluggard, somebody who just continues to sleep. And that, that moves you into verse 26, where it says like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes. So is the sluggard to the one who sends him. You send somebody out to do a job and they're lazy and they don't get the job done. And it gives you two characteristics here, two vivid characteristics. It's like vinegar to the teeth. How many of you have tried vinegar before? A couple of you? Yeah, we, we have a Keurig. And so we clean the Keurig with vinegar, right? But if you don't cycle it to let the vinegar get out of the Keurig, that next cup of coffee will really wake you up. You won't drink it all, but it will really wake you up. And so I remember very vividly that cleaning the Keurig with the vinegar and then that next cup of coffee because we didn't run enough cycles through it. And I put the cup of coffee under there. And when I put it to my, to my nose, I should have known because I smelled something and it didn't smell like the normal coffee blend that I, that I had. There was something different about this cup of coffee, but I put a little bit in my mouth and I didn't swallow. I won't tell you where it landed, but I didn't swallow. And just the, the thought of the vinegar taste still repulses me to this day. That's what a slugger does to those who send them. Smoke to the eyes. You've been around a bonfire. If you're like me, it doesn't matter where you sit around a bonfire, that's where the smoke comes. You, you can, you've been there. I see some of you have. You sit in this spot, the smoke's here. You say, okay, fine, I'm gonna move. You move to this spot, the smoke moves over here. It's like there's a magnet that attracts the smoke to come. If you get too close to the bonfire, the smoke's too thick, perhaps because you're roasting your marshmallows to a nice, crispy, 
flame before you blow them out and then put them onto your s'more. And that smoke begins to get in your eyes. And when it gets in your eyes, your eyes close. And for a moment there, you can't open your eyes and you're trying to get your eyes back open. But the smoke has welded them shut for some reason. You rub your eyes and there's this burning sensation. And when you reach up, maybe your eyebrows fall off because you were way too close to the fire. But, but, but you, you, you have that burning sensation. And if you get too much smoke in your face, there's even a wobbliness that comes where it's almost like you're going to fall down because you've gotten too much smoke that you've inhaled all at one moment. And that sensation is what's vividly described here as a slugger to the one who sends them. So when you go to those jobs, to those careers, to those vocations that the Lord has called you to, don't be like this. Work hard, diligent. Say what? what? What does it say about our words? Oh, there's so much here about our words. We don't have time to go through it all, but I'll refresh you here. Blessings are on the head of the righteous, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. The memory of the righteous is a blessing, but the name of the wicked will rot. The wise of heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his way crooked will be found out. Whoever winks the eye causes trouble, but a babbling fool will come to, to ruin. That word babbling fool that you see there in verse 10 is actually literally a fool of lips. A fool of lips. Come to ruin means be thrown down. That should hearken the verse, pride comes before the fall. A babbling fool will come to ruin. Conceals violence, verse 6 and verse 10. Causes trouble. Do you try to, do you try to deceive do you try to wink the eye? What does that mean? That means you're trying to send one message to one person and another message to another person. It's double speak. You talk to somebody and then you wink your eye, letting them know I want a different message to be conceived by you than what I'm saying, but I want that other person to hear me so that that other person thinks something about me. Maybe I want to please people and so I need to please both people, but they're not going to be happy with the message, so I've got to choose which one I'm going to be and Proverbs condemns that. Be who you're supposed to be. Do it kindly and do it rightly, but do it honestly and forthrightly. Don't try to send one message to this group of people and another message to this group of people thinking you can please them all. Boy, if that's not a message we could send to Washington, I don't know what else we could send to them, but just be who you're gonna be and be honest about it. Don't wink the eye. Don't be a babbling fool. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Do you try to conceal violence with your words? Hatred stirs up strife. Love covers all offenses. Are you the peacemaker or are you the troublemaker? Are you the person that love covers all offenses? You never get angry. You never lose your temper. You're just always bringing people together. Are you the person that causes trouble because you talk about everybody else behind their back? You exaggerate their stories. You tell secrets. You tell lies. Nobody wants to be around a troublemaker. Nobody wants a troublemaker as a friend for life. All they do is cause trouble and cause controversy. It's the peacemakers that people want to be around. It's the ones that have the joy. How are you using your words? Are you stirring up strife? Or are you covering all? The one who conceals hatred has lying lips. Whoever utters slander is a fool. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is prudent. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. Verse 21, the lips of the righteous feed many. Proverbs 10, 31 and 32, the mouth of the righteous bring forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut off. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked, what is perverse? 
The last thing I want to drill down into is the trajectory of our heart. Proverbs 10, 23 says, doing wrong is like a joke to a fool, but wisdom is a pleasure to a man of understanding. What the wicked dreads will come upon him, but the desires of the righteous will be granted. Verse 23, the word wrong, or in some of your translations, the word wickedness, this word is a Hebrew word used to describe the most heinous of wrongs. Incest, adultery, idolatry, and the like. You'll find it in Judges chapter 20, verse six. Doing wrong is like a joke, or in some translations, like a sport to a fool. This describes those people who doing the worst things of society is to them something that is like sport. It's what they do for fun. It's like a joke. It's something they do to laugh about. And let me say to you, this brings to mind that the locker room talk, the hazing, the the inappropriate ways of talking about others or treating others. And that's not acceptable here at Cedarville. And that's not acceptable in the kingdom of God. And that's not acceptable for righteous Christian behavior. We don't do those things. You don't use your words to tear others down. You don't do things to other people to tear them down. You don't do things like that and consider it a joke or consider it to be funny. That's what the wicked do. That's not what the righteous do. Doing wrong is a joke to them but wisdom is the pleasure for the man of understanding. Do you take joy in things of that nature? Let me say this to you. If you glory in your sin, if in what you've done in your past or in what you're doing that is wrong, if that brings you pleasure, if you joke about it, if you make light of it, if you glory in your sin, then may God have mercy on your soul because you don't recognize the seriousness of your sin. You haven't thought about the consequences of that sin that held Jesus Christ to a cross that he paid for with his life. We need to take seriously our sin and our actions. Proverbs 10, 27 through 29. The fear of the Lord. Trust in Jesus. Understanding in awe who God is prolongs life. Is that the trajectory of your heart to fear God? But the years of the wicked are going to be cut short. The hope of the righteous will bring you joy. The wicked will perish. The way of the Lord's a stronghold, but it's destruction to the evildoers. That way of the Lord, that long trajectory of God, one day at the end of all of this, the way of the Lord and how he deals with the righteous and with the wicked, the righteous will be a stronghold, but the evildoers will encounter destruction. What characteristics do you have? What's your character? If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. Let's not act out of character. You're never going to be tomorrow what you're not being today. You will never become tomorrow what you are not being today. So one step after the next step, after the next step, one day after the next day, after the next day, choose wisdom. Choose decisions that have the character or the characteristics that you desire. Don't believe the lies of the devil. Trust in the truth of scripture because God is faithful and you can trust him. Dear Lord, our hearts are prone to wonder. Lord, our flesh pulls us in ways that are not glorifying to you. And so, Lord, we need for our minds to be transformed daily, not conformed to this world. So we ask for your grace and we ask for your help as we seek to serve you well. Lord, we ask that where we have wrong thinking, you would change our thoughts. Lord, I ask that where we have those that are addicted to habitual sin, that you would change their habits. 
Lord, I pray that in our actions and in our words and in our thoughts and all that we say and all that we do, that we would glorify you. Lord, I pray that we would be counted among the righteous for your glory and not our own. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed.